Welcome to episode 25 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. You may have come across videos and pictures of a completely blind horse with no eyes doing incredible things at Liberty and being ridden by a girl called Morgan Wagner, the incredible owner and trainer of the famous Endo the Blind. Endo, despite having no eyes, is able to do anything a sighted horse can do. He competes, trail rides, travels, jumps, performs Liberty work, and participates in any other new experience that becomes available. Endo and Morgan have been featured performers at horse expos, where together they have demonstrated Endo's versatility, intelligence, and trainability in a variety of venues all across the United States and Canada. In this episode, we discuss Morgan's journey with Endo and how he came to be blind, what it's like training horses who are completely blind, including what surprised her and how she has adapted her training. This is a short and sweet episode compared to my usual format, but the insights that Morgan gives us about training blind horses is nothing short of amazing. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a happy, light and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship, and now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication, so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritising partnership with your horse. Want to find out my horse training philosophy? Access the free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Welcome, Morgan, to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, let's get stuck into the first question. Can you tell us about your horsemanship journey to date, when you got into horses, and what has led to where you are today? Mm -hmm. I've always been into horses. I can't remember not. Um, I grew up in L.A., though, so we didn't have horses. All I had was the horses on the TV. The racehorses so then when my family moved up to Oregon when I was 13 my grandma let my sister and I, sister and I choose a horse for each of us and I chose Endo oh wow so Endo was your first horse mm-hmm. yeah and I didn't know how to put a halter on he didn't know how to put a halter on <laughs> oh my goodness yeah wow yeah. so at that point in time I'm guessing he had his vision. He had his eyes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you would have had some people helping you perhaps since you were new to horses. No, no. My grandma said, go up to the tack room and find a halter that looks like it would fit <laughs> and figure it out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Was your grandma into horses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She okay. bred and. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. So she would have been helping you a little bit, but mostly you were kind of winging it. Yeah. She wanted me to learn myself. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, can you tell us the story or more about Endo and how he came to be blind? Um, when he was younger, he never seemed like he had eye problems. Um, there were some weird times where he would walk in from outside to inside the barn and he'd bump into me. But I thought he was just rushing to his stall. Now I feel kind of bad for saying, no, 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 back up. <laughs> um, but then around eight, he started having weepy eyes with outside turnout. And then the vets diagnosed him with equine recurrent uveitis. And then his flare-ups just kept happening more and more. Um, with each flare-up, it would damage his eyes. So he was slowly going blind. And then at 13, we decided to take out 
the he had a flare up in this eye and it was really bad. So he made a decision at that vet visit to take out the eye. Mm -hmm. And the vets told me, get him ready because the second one was going to do the same. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And what was going through your head at that time? Like, were you think, I mean, I, I personally probably would have been thinking, oh no, how is my horse going to survive with one eye? Like this is at the one eye stage, let alone when he had to have the second one removed. What was going through your head and what were you thinking and how did you kind of prepare him for that? I knew if I couldn't make him safe and calm, he would have to be put down. And that was always like, if you can't do it, this is what's going to happen. And he's always been a spooky horse. He doesn't seem like that now, but he's really spooky. He doesn't like to leave the barn. He'll holler and poop. And, and so he had to learn to not be like that anymore. Because if he was dangerous, he couldn't be around people and able to continue living. Yeah. Okay. And how long was it between when he had the first eye removed and the second eye? It was about six months. Okay. I started blindfolding him to get him ready. The first time I put it on, he just stood and shook. And about 10 minutes of petting him, I got him to take a step forward. And then, oh, my God, good boy, blindfold off. Mm -hmm. Then the second time, I was able to lead him around the arena. And the third time, he figured out how to take the blindfold off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what sort of level was he at in terms of his training on the ground and in the saddle before he became blind? He was pretty well trained. Um, we used to jump. Uh, he was able to do three, three courses. And all, all I had to do was just look to the next jump and he would lead change and find his distance. And then we did a lot of liberty work, but it was all body cues. Yeah. So I put a hand out and that shuts the door and he turns and mm -hmm. I could get him to spin and do all this kinds of stuff. And then that's how I knew he was losing his vision. Um, where he couldn't see me lift my hand up anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so he was pretty well trained, but we had to change everything to voice cues afterwards. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And what stayed the same and what changed in your training and your daily care of Endo once he did become blind? I didn't really make adjustments to his surroundings. I just, uh, I kept him in the stall and took him out for walks for a while. And then I put him back in his paddock he was in before going blind. And he just stood by the gate hollering. <laughs> but eventually he would eat his breakfast out there. And then I slowly moved the hay further and further away from the gate. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got him to walk around outside. Wow. So I didn't make adjustments. Like people say, put bells on horses, like his mini no, he can hear her footsteps, mm -hmm. things like that. So I don't change anything because the world doesn't do that. <laughs> and so I'm able to take him now into brand new pastures and set him free. And he's learned to sense fencing on his own, find his water on his own. Wow. And I think that helps a lot. Yeah. And he always has his mini with him? At home, yes, but not at events. She's really buddy sour. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when he became blind, was he already acquainted with that mini or was that something you brought in or was there? No, uh, 
when he was down to one eye, I didn't think he was safe to put out with other horses. Mm -hmm. I was worried he'd get pushed into a fence and hurt himself. So I found this mini who needed to be rescued. All the other minis on the property died of starvation. Oh, wow. My sister and I went to go pick her up. We picked her up because she was so weak and put her in the truck cab. And she kind of sat on my lap the whole drive home. Oh, my goodness. Mm hmm Wow. So that's kind of a, a nice story as well in that you gave her a second chance too. <laughs> yeah. Now she's 25 and she looks three. <laughs> People wow, think she's because of her energy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's cool that he's got kind of her as maybe a babysitter, I guess, or someone to kind of feed off of and, and be looked after by. Is that the role that she plays or are they just yeah, funny? Yeah, yeah, it's just friend. That's cool. And what is something that surprised you about training a blind horse or in that transition from him being, you know, having his full eyesight to being blind? Were there some things that surprised you? One thing, and it's pretty, it, um, dizziness. Hmm. So with one badly damaged eye, Endo could see enough so he can see light to know what's up and then dark for down. And then when he went to no eyes, dizzy, he almost fell over just trying to lunge a walk circle. Wow. So we had to start with large circles at a walk and then slowly make them smaller, change direction. That even bothered him. And then did the same with Trot and then did the same thing with Canner. I wasn't on him for safety. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a big surprise. Yeah, that is so interesting. I would never have thought that. And was there anything that surprised you in terms of the training in that? Um, I guess for me, I go, how how could I possibly train a horse who's blind on the ground or even ride a horse who's blind? Was there something that surprised you in the actual training process? As in maybe it wasn't as hard as you thought or what what were you sort of thinking and what surprised you about that? Yeah. I don't know. He's very difficult. Okay. Um, I have Emma. I don't know if you know about Emma. No. She also, she's a rescue. I got her in January and she also had to have her eyes removed. That's, and, oh, okay. And now with the dizziness, same thing with her, but I notice it's when they're not in proper self-carriage on the lunge. Like if she's bent looking outside the circle, she gets dizzier more. So I use a long lunge whip and I kind of tap the body parts that need to bend around me. And that's able, then now she can have um, good balance on the lunge line without getting dizzy. Yeah. She doesn't know how to can her yet though. I don't know if she can. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And what's her story like? How did she come to lose her eyes? She had a really bad accident. I don't know her story. Um, I got her from a lady who rescued her from the people that wanted to put her down. And she was no longer able to continue rehabbing her. So she had a bad accident that broke her hip, uh, rib, a little part of her neck and caused blindness in both eyes. And then a stick went through one of them. So she was blind and they were painful. So I took, I had them taken out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. So obviously you've got quite a lot of experience working with completely blind horses. What has working with completely blind horses taught you about horses themselves? 
there are more things besides sight, like scary things, <laughs> corners, just how the sound bounces off of them, and then breathing. Endo, I can, even if I think I'm calm at events, Endo can feel it if there's just a teensy bit of tension or I'm breathing different, he knows. Wow. He can also feel body language by listening to horses breathing and there's footsteps. So he knows if a horse is pinning their ears at him. It's pretty cool. Wow. Do you think, I mean, I don't know, but I wonder if there is more to it than just the sound. Like, is there a feeling? Like, can they feel the energy of the other horses around? What are your thoughts around that? I don't know. I want to set up a microphone to him and another horse or other horses and film it because I can hear their breathing change and I can hear their footsteps become quicker or like the tail swish. He hears that and he's like, oh, kick time and he'll move away. Wow. And I'd imagine that because he doesn't have his eyesight, he his other senses are probably heightened compared to other horses, the same as, I guess, blind humans have better hearing and and that sort of thing and better taste i've been trying to think of a way to test that because i get that a lot yeah. and i haven't maybe with my other horses because i have like the apple carrot game where i have a bunch of treats and then if i say apple endo goes through all the treats and finds the apple and wow. then i do it with too so maybe i could blindfold a horse and ha teach them it and see i don't know i'm still thinking of how to do that Talking more about your training approach, can you tell us a little bit more about your philosophy with horses and training? Mm -hmm. I don't have a set plan. I mean, every horse is different. And I start with the least amount of pressure. And then the horse just decides how hard we have to go. One thing, though, is dangerous horses. It's whatever it takes. People need to stay safe. So it sounds like you use... Negative reinforcement, yeah. Are you familiar with the negative and the quadrants, the difference? I've heard of it before, but I also use a lot of carrots and good boys. Yeah. All right. So you use treat training as well as pressure, pressure release. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like I have this one Mustang right now. I don't know what happened to him. Um, the owner said at one point he got his foot stuck in the stirrup because the saddle slipped and he went through a round pin panel and then was thrashing on the ground. Well, now if he just sees the saddle, he freezes up and every little noise he jumps. So yeah. I'm actually using carrots with him and it's working. Yeah. On, eat a bunch of carrots and then we're all done. And that's helping with him. Yeah, that's good. So it sounds like you're pretty balanced and open-minded about using treats or pressure or, or mm -hmm. whatever to suit the individual horse, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is something you believe is true that a lot of horse people disagree with? That's kind of hard to, I mean, I'm not into cookie cutter training. Mm -hmm. I also try not to judge a horse within like the 30 seconds of me watching them, a picture, a video, because you don't know what the horse was. You don't know what happened the five minutes before the video. Or the lifetime um, before the video. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I try not to judge by just what I see at that moment. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And what horse related purchase has most positively impacted your life in the last 12 months? This truck. <laughs> I just <laughs> it like a week ago. 
Yeah. 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 And my assistant, that's another ongoing purchase, but it's nice to have help at the barn. Yes, absolutely. And it's so important to have a good towing vehicle. So it sounds like you do quite a few um, expos or demonstrations. Is that right? I used to before COVID. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but 2022, um, for a while there, the expos weren't getting back to me. And now they finally are. So next year, we should be doing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And tell us who inspires you. And, and specifically, if you could have dinner with any three horse people, dead or alive, who would it be and why? And what would you ask them? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I don't know if I could pick three people um, and do dinner. I would love it, though, if I could go look at trainers barns. I yes. want to see set up. I want to see their tack. I want to see just how they run their barn. That would be a lot of fun. And I would race horse trainers or dressage. That'd probably be where I want to go. Yeah. And anyone specifically or you just want to check out everyone's barns? <laughs> a lot of people. There's no favorite. Okay. Yeah. And how are you continuing to learn about horses? What are you currently studying or who's teaching you? What do you like to I'm do to keep learning? Grand Prix. I'm working with a Grand Prix instructor right now for dressage. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. And he lives you, an hour away, though, so it's a long drive. So yeah. it's just weekly lessons. Yeah, fair enough. And do you do dressage with all of your horses or? Uh, just Endo and Seth right now. Okay, yeah. And um, I know you've got that beautiful gray, dapple gray horse on your Instagram as well. Can you tell us about that horse? That is Sephiroth. I am his breeder. He's eight years old. Um, He's a pre, an Andalusian. He's beautiful. And hoping to do a second level test at a show in October. We'll see how that goes. Um, but he's a good boy. He's, I love him. He's a good boy. Yes. And congratulations if you're his breeder because he's just stunning. Thank so you. Is, is the goal Grand Prix with him? No. I mean, yeah. I bred him because I wanted something pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's my demo horse. My horse after Endo goes. Okay, I see. How old is Endo now? Endo's twenty-one. And what do you think has been the secret to your success with horses so far? I listen to them. I, I watch some people, and they don't praise or give a release or acknowledge that the horse is trying, and then sometimes they continue to push. And then the horse shuts down. The, mm. My clients. Yeah. So then I help them. And then just a couple adjustments. And then they're able to push their horse through the problem. And that's usually one of the issues. Is they're not giving a release and a reward when the horse is trying. They're, you know, tap, tap, tap until the foot gets on the platform. Well, then the horse just gives up because you're not rewarding even the try. Yeah, exactly. So that they're missing that try and then the horse goes, well, that wasn't the answer. So yeah. kind of, yeah, they're missing that, that first opportunity to tell their horse, yes, that's exactly what I'm after. Yeah. Yeah. I see that a bit as well. And what is your ultimate goal with horses? <laughs> that's what I've started asking for lessons when I, somebody wants a lesson and they're new, if they don't have any problems, I ask them what their dream is. Yes. And that's been a lot of fun. I've had one lady 
um, that I'm working with, she said her dream was to do Liberty in a wide open field. So mm-hmm. we're working on that. Now we're in a small pasture and she's able to do it. So we'll get up to a field soon. Um, but my goal, I don't really care about, you know, winning a big event. I just want to have enough money to have my own barn. Mm-hmm. Give Endo his dream stall. Yes. That would, that's my goal. What does his dream stall look like? Well, right now he has a 20 by 20 stall and he loves that. So it has to be that bigger, bigger, but he wants to be able to stand in the morning sun in the morning and he doesn't have a run to that stall or I can't make one. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what is the one message you would like our listeners to know or hear from today's interview with you? Go out and play with your horses. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people forget to do that. Yeah. Like they forget to have fun. They just go through the motions kind of thing. Yeah. Or talk. (laughs) Not like this, but where it's be wary of those who talk more than they ride. That's my thing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. And it also sounds like you're an advocate just for listening to your horse as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rewarding that slightest try. Yep. All of those things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for telling us the story about Endo and giving us a bit of insight into his life and his training and and your training. And yeah, it's been great. And you've got some nice messages to share with the world. So thank you again for being here. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions from today's show, suggestions for future episodes, or just want to reach out and say hi, I would love to connect with you on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses. Remember to also register for my free connection and communication mini course at AmaliaDempsey.com.